Hey everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about The Deuce, Season 1, Episode 2. It is called Show and Prove. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Um, now, I will say up front, if it takes us a second to remember some names, bear with us, because it's been a couple of weeks since we watched the first episode, and the list of names on IMDb is in the worst possible order it could be in, because it's, it, it's got extras mixed in with the main cast and finding it, names. It, it, it dawned on me when, obviously, this starts with you know, the previously on stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I really needed this. It's been, because I thought about it, it's been pretty much a whole month. Close to it, I didn't actually think I needed it. Honestly, no, it... I think it probably would have been fine once it was going. But yeah. as I was watching the previous one, I was like, "Oh yeah, that that that." I actually think all the characters were quite vivid in my head, just not their names because I'm not very good with names. But who all the characters were and what they went through in the first episode, I think I had a good handle mm. on. So, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, so so this is episode two and. Um, First things first, uh, did you recognise uh, Ralph Macchio as one yeah. of the, the policemen? Uh, yeah. I, I took a double take, which, by the way, he's looking uh, good for his age. He's 55. Is he? Yeah, and he, he looks like 35. I, I wouldn't have said he was that old. Yeah, in fact, this isn't even like a new thing for him. I, I remember, because he was in My Cousin Vinny, he was, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but he was on trial, and he was playing like an 18... 20 year old something in that range and at that point he was already pushing 30 so he yeah, I'd, I'd have said he looked like you know 40 tops yeah yeah he, he does not look his age he's, he's always looked younger than he is uh but he's the karate kid in case anyone's wondering who we're talking about that, that's what he's most known for uh and i guess he's still acting good because they're making a karate kid tv show and they want him back for it so that's yep. the thing that's happening um my legendary rant, of course, on our news about why there shouldn't be a Karate Kid TV show. Uh, you can go check that out. I don't, don't ask me what yeah, episode it was. Don't but, get him started. But, uh, yeah, so, yes, uh, 70s, prostitutes, uh, porn. A lot more porn in this episode, just in terms of an idea. Because in the yeah, first yeah, episode, we... there wasn't a lot of mention of it, specifically. Right, it was it was just about the prostitution last episode. Yeah. There was no, no real idea of, of the porn side of things, whereas here, it's I get a clearer sense of which characters are interested and why. Yeah, if I, I think it actually works from a, a thematic point of view that we it, it comes into the story as Candy sort of learns about it because Candy's the main one here who I think that I mean she knew it existed of course but she was just kind of dismissive of it. So, oh, I don't want to do that, and her whole argument is uh like every time someone buys the the movie you're not getting paid again, which is actually really funny because that's a uh, if just a bit of film history uh, here as best I can remember it, but. One of the arguments that the movie studios had when VHS became a thing and people were renting movies and buying movies is they were appalled at the idea that someone could buy the movie and watch it more than once without paying again. Yeah. Uh, so, so and that, then they could share it with their friends as well. Exactly. Uh, so so that, that just gave me a chuckle. That, like her argument here was the same as the movie studio. It was like, wait, this is diluting our business because they can just watch it multiple times. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, at, at its core, as a from a business standpoint it's very very similar yeah it's similar not the exact same though it's actually a lot more like um like when the writers go on strike because her mm. argument is isn't so much that each time they watch it she's not getting paid although that may be part of it, it the argument is that this has been sold each time like whoever's selling the, yeah, the she, film she basically she wants royalties yeah she wants royalties <laughs> that's exactly what it is uh, and a fair play. So she, she's a smart. She's smart when it comes to, in this sense. Yeah, definitely. She, she's ahead of the game. Um, and we also see that. Um, oh God, names. 
Uh, oh, forgive me as I find out the other prostitute. I'm just, Darlene. There you go. Uh, Darlene, like, she finds out that one film she made thinking it was just for one person is actually being sold somewhere. And she goes off and demands it back and, you know, tells her pimp, tells uh, tells Larry about it. And I, I think that's kind of interesting that she, even though it's not a lot of money per se in the grand scheme of things, she's determined to sort of maintain her, her business sense. And Yeah, it's, it's, it's about the principle, really, isn't it? Like, she was like, okay, I got paid extra that time so he could film it for himself. That was mm. fair. But him selling it and doing other things with it wasn't part of the agreement. Yeah. It's kind of funny how, like, all these issues that you, you get elsewhere in Hollywood with movie making are popping up in this this little <laughs> it, microcosm of the porn world. Well, well, that's it. It makes this series feel very relevant beyond, you know, 70s porn industry. It's, it's mm. like, no, the, these things are still applicable now in movie and TV as a whole. I, I will say when they go into the sex shop and there's this sort of sleazy guy who's selling the the stuff because I was actually thinking when they, when they went in I'm like well VHS isn't a thing yet so they're just selling like film reels and yeah it's like super eight yeah. little reels but uh, and he's like yeah thirty five dollars to regulars and fifty dollars to to chumps and I was like man thank God for Pornhub <laughs> 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 Jesus especially in nineteen seventy two or seventy three dollars that's a that's a lot of dollars. That's that's too too many dollars. That's too many dollars <laughs> for eight minutes of, of porn. Yeah, eight minutes, eight minutes. I don't even click on a video if it's only eight minutes long. <laughs> um, right, so let's take this character by character. We'll start with Candy since we kind of started with her. Yeah, anyway. that makes sense. Uh, so Candy's she finds out about the the, the, the videos and she she's not uh, obviously we're introduced uh, through Ashley her her role who. Interestingly enough, seems kind of okay after the last episode when she, she was kind of assaulted by Cece at the end yeah. for for not being, you know, not having a work ethic, I suppose we'll she, she, call it. I mean, because it, it seems like a little bit of time's passed. A little not bit, Not a lot, yeah. but, you know, a little bit, and I just get the impression that she, she learned her lesson. Well, I would actually go one further and say that it, it maybe shows to me that this isn't that irregular like she's kind of used mm. to being told off from time to time and it's kind of scary when it's happening but she's so conditioned which is almost more horrifying that she's just yeah, yeah. attuned to it now uh but uh, that's kind of what i got from it. but you see her doing some photographs and it's, she's basically doing an addition reel you know it's like it's almost like you know a regular actor would have the portrait you know the yeah you know the the, the, the headshot yeah uh and this is but obviously she's naked and she's doing it for porn uh, but so Candy kind of dismisses it as we talked about with the uh, you know not being paid every time it's sold. Uh, but one of our our, our colleagues, I'll, I'll call her, uh, in the in the cafe that we saw in the first episode, this cafe that seems to be the the the, the prostitute central. Uh, it, it, I, I'm I'm certain it must be owned by the pimps. Well, I don't know because the, the 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 guy who was running the place seemed quite upset that the girls were being mistreated. Um, so I, I don't know if he's like he's just okay with what it is because he yeah, has a lot of business because they're regulars because they come in every single day but uh, it's definitely their, their place though yeah I, maybe the pimps like give him some extra money like on the side like here, here's yeah. some over the top just to keep you happy and quiet they, they essentially keep it permanently rented out for themselves yeah yeah, I, I could see it being that case uh, but she, she's asked to fill in this, this other prostitute was hired for a movie and she has to bail out so she's asking Candy look it's $75 I don't want to let the guy down I don't want to get black blacklisted 
Yeah. Go, go down for a bit, and she's like, oh, 75, I could make that, and I, you know, because that, that, that's two that's two Johns. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I can make that on the street. Why am I going all the way down there for yeah, it? Yeah, she, she has to travel all the way to the Bronx to do this. But, and, you know, I think it just juxtaposes nicely with, uh, again, we have scenes with her and her son, and they're playing mm. uh, Mousetrap. And she, you know, tells her mother to go and get an operation. Yeah, and and I, I did like the touch that you know the master was like, okay, one of the pieces is missing, so this just mm. doesn't doesn't quite work. And it's kind of like you know she hasn't got the pimp, so her sits, you know, to her she's not quite in the system. And even double up in that, the idea that uh, he's not got his mother around, you know, once yeah. a piece is missing, you know, so again yeah, it's a exactly. running, yeah, running thing. Uh, uh, and you know the mother keeps making these little catty remarks about you know what she does and. No, I mean not that I blame her. If your daughter's a prostitute, I I I can't imagine you feel particularly proud or excited by that prospect. Um, but she, you know, gives her money for the for the game, and you know, again, a lot now a lot of catty call about. Oh, maybe he'll grow up to be a doctor, and it's almost like this this just this knife. It's like because you didn't turn out so well, so hopefully yeah, you'll yeah. be something. Yeah, he can do something. But yeah, so so again, we see that, and it, it, again, it gives us all this context, and she she goes to this place, and it, you know, it's actually kind of a a seedy arrangement. It's this guy who just makes them in his basement and it seems like his, his parents or at least his father is just upstairs living in the house. And he's like, yep, yeah, he's downstairs in the basement. Off you go. Yeah. Uh, so it's this weird waiting room almost. In fact, we actually get a waiting room scene. Uh, yeah. the, the green room for the... And these two guys are just sitting there, this other woman sitting there and she's just asking like, do I have lines? Uh, you know, yeah, again, it's like, have you got the script? Uh, I'm, I'm a fill-in. And I think I think it says or what that shows is that as much as she's aware that porn exists, she's clearly never watched much of it. Yeah. Or at that, least, and... or at least if oh. she has, it's only been the the, the feature length ones that are in the theaters. You know the the yeah. you know, your Debbie does Dallas and that kind of thing. Yeah, and and also I think it's kind of part of her, her work ethos. You know, she's kind of very hardworking. Even even at this, she mm. she's got yeah. that professionalism. She's filling in for someone. She doesn't want to just come across as nothingness. Yeah, but instead they'll laugh at, laugh at her a little bit because, you know, she, she's overshooting, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and then we get what might be the greatest scene in all of television history uh, as, they, as they film this porn, which it's, it's a very funny scene, actually, as much as... Because it doesn't take the tactic that you think it would. Because you, you, I think most times, this, if you have a scene where someone's doing their first porn scene in a movie, it may be treated as... I mean, it is quite seedy, don't get me wrong. It doesn't feel like a clean environment where you... You, you know, it doesn't feel appealing, but... I think typically the, the director and the, the script would focus on the horror of the situation. Whereas instead here, it's a little bit funny because it's kind of absurd and she's been told not to look at the camera. But it, it's, it focuses on her, her intrigue. Yeah, because she's looking around. She's looking at the lights. She's looking at the... Uh, you know, just all the, the equipment around the room, and she's, you know, she's like, you know, what's, you know, even the reflector. She even asks about that afterwards. She's yeah, like, yeah, oh. and she asks about that and the lights, and she's like, okay, what, what are all these for? Yeah, and you know, <laughs> it's it's funny because I've not actually talked about this in a long time, but you know, this is something that I talked about constantly when I was making stuff in uni. You know, I was talking about key lights and fill lights, and mm. it's just funny to even even from my perspective to think about this in porn. Like, oh yeah, you'd set up lights. Of course you would. Yeah, of course they do. It's it's still a, a production of sorts. Still, yeah, it's yeah still, even at this, yeah. even at this. I mean, obviously, you know, born with more money is a proper production, but this here is still a basic production. It's it's this is your student film. It is. It kind of is. Yeah, you can so almost imagine that this guy's a student and he's just I'm booking out the equipment for a project. No, no, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, what it yeah is. I just want to make some make some cash on the side. Yeah, uh, it really has that feel to it. 
Especially because his reflector's not even a proper reflector. It's just like it's just a, bit a It's just a board with you know foil on it, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. It's very makeshift. But as this scene's going on, and like she, she's acting with this other girl, and then, like, okay, Vikings come in, and these two guys come in, and they start doing stuff. But she's looking over his shoulder as this is going on. She's looking around. And it is kind of an amusing kind of way of approaching the scene. Yeah, you've got like the, the comedy of you know the other girl going, hey, what's your elbow? And like, yeah, stop tugging on my hair. Yeah, yeah, there's the little kind of like everyday workman complaints going on as it's. Yeah, you don't even see her. You just because obviously we're focusing on, on on Candy. Just you know, we're watching her see all this equipment and be interested, and you're just hearing these really everyday comments just coming from next to her. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like moaning in between. It's this kind of yeah. a weird environment, I, I guess, because obviously they're shooting without sound. Uh, so they yeah, don't have so to worry about this so matter. much. Yeah. So the director's just shouting out directions as, they, as they're going. Not not, not yeah. a care in the world. Um, but then the, the real fun stuff is when we get to the the end of the uh, the shoot. And uh, so it looks like the guys are, you know, about to finish uh, on the yeah. ladies' faces. Uh, and then you don't quite... Because I always thought, man, how far are they going to go here? Because you saw... <laughs> I this, did as well. Because you see this side shot and you almost see the tip of it as he's sort of jerking it's, it off. It's, it's, it's all blurred out. It's like, okay, you yeah. see what's going on. It's out of focus. Yeah. And then you see just, you know, this squirt, like, hit her face. And I'm like... What's going on? And then, it, then the camera cuts around to the other side, and the, the, the sort of the, the assistant girl, who's you know not involved in the scene, she's just there to do production stuff. She's mm-hmm. just basically squirting something, and we find out like a little bit later on that it's actually just cold soup. Yeah, but she's just got like a little pipette. Yeah, and she's squirting, and I'm like, why are they just doing it for real? And sure enough, a minute later, the director actually says, "Yeah, we'd be doing this for real if it wasn't for these two guys blowing the load early." And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I have to improvise. It, it, it's that amusing where, again, it has that, that low production budget where it's like, yeah, okay, we couldn't hire great actors, so we're going to have to improvise yeah, and, they, and make up where we can. Yeah, they, they couldn't hold, hold the load, so here we are. We have to improvise with this, this weird technique. I like how they came prepared. Yeah. They're like, no, oh, yeah. some of these ain't going to be able to scratch. In fact, I think at one point you see like several cans of soup in the background, so yeah. he's clearly, he knows that this is a, an issue that comes up. Uh, I I just like to think that that's, that's from experience. First time is like, God damn it! Shoot, yeah. it's, it's the whole day's ruined. Yeah, first time. There's no ending. There's no conclusion. There's no yeah. money shot. Like <laughs> <laughs> so next time, coming prepared. Ah, <laughs> uh, cold soup. Uh, I feel like a, a white hand wash would be a, a better substitute. Soup's too runny. Mm-hmm. It's quite thick soup, though, to be fair. It was quite thick soup. And again, it was even funny as it hit, like, the, the second girl who's not candy, like, she gets hit in the eye, and she's like, ah! And he's like, you you love Viking cum, stop reacting like that, you love it. It's like, yeah, I'd love it if it was actually Viking cum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, again, it was just really, like, this everyday humour mixed in with this really absurd situation, but it kind of is the point that for candy, this is just work. And it's yeah. like, wait, what can I do with this? Even though for her it's not an ordinary situation because she's not used to you know, being in the, yeah. this situation of filming, it's still just another job for her. Yeah, so she, she's the IDs are going and you see that because she, she goes and she, she steals one of the, the reels and she mm. pulls out a little projector at home and she, she just she watches it. She, she has a, just watches it and sees what it's like. And you can see the, the wheels turning in her head. She's, like, she's going, how can I replicate this? Yes, how can I do this? How can I benefit from this? Is this going to be more profitable? Can I make money quicker? Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. So, again, very very a business approach to it. Oh, definitely. Everything about her is. Yeah. So, 
so, so that was Candy's uh, plot this episode. Uh, we'll mention Abby quickly because she was she had a bit less to do in this episode. It was very simple, just two scenes, pretty much. Uh, she's basically leaving college. She's been kicked out because she, or she's failed. She's flunked out because she we saw her not go to one of the tests. Presumably she didn't go to a few more exams and now her mother's picking her up. But she's wanting to stay in the city. She doesn't want to go home. She wants to, you know, get a, get a job, and she goes to a friend's house, a friend's apartment, I think. I think so. She 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 definitely knows them because she you know, calls them out by name. And... Yeah, it's a shitty neighborhood, though. It's like you know, it feels like she's walking into a crack den. Uh, Does a little bit. But she she's in there and she's looking through the newspaper for uh for work. Uh, I I wonder if she's going to end up back with Vincent next episode, seeing what's what's available, because. Because you know, when we go over to him, he's got a new bar to uh, staff. Maybe. Yeah, this is a third bar in 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 two episodes, right? Yes. Yeah, he's he's dropped the first one though, so he's back at two. And so he's doing. He's, yeah, he's only working two. He may not be working the the second. You know, the Korean place may not be him anymore. No, that's be, true. That's maybe full time now. This new bar, I could see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he's basically he gets in. So that, so the guy that uh, his brother owes money to. Uh, he ends up working with him because we we get introduced to uh, Vincent and Frankie's brother-in-law, uh, who's with his sister. And again, there's some sort of humour about you know uh, him having so many kids and leave her sister alone. But they're all very friendly. Uh, mm. The actor, by the way, who's playing his brother-in-law, uh, Bobby, he he well, that's the, the character's name. But uh, the actor was on uh, The Wire, uh, which I, I just it stuck out immediately as soon as I seen him. A because I've seen the show, but B because it's the same creators. Uh, so clearly, I'd, I'd be unsurprised if a few more of these actors pop up yeah it's something you see a lot isn't it people you know they they get these working relationships and just people pop up again in recurring projects yeah i I can totally see it happening as as time goes on but uh so they bring up this so obviously the old money for uh frankie's gambling debt but they bring up this other issue that he's having bobby's having his work He, he works construction it seems like and yeah they they have this problem where they they get paid they get paychecks at the end of the day on the Friday so they they actually don't get any money until Monday they can't cash it uh, mm. and then because it's the weekend they don't get paid till Monday um, now I'm a little unclear exactly what the scam is here because right. Vincent goes to Rudy who's this crime boss who's the guy who really is, is owed the money from his brother uh, and he's a very sort of friendly crane boss. He's very sort of sociable with them. Like, like he comes a, he comes across as a businessman, isn't it? He does, yeah. Sort of friendly businessman. You get the impression though that if you wrong him, he will break your legs. But oh sure, <laughs> but he does come across as a very sort of friendly. He, he, he face. doesn't do anything but you know the nicest things in this episode. That, this guy's also typecast in this type of role because he had a similar role in Kick Ass. That's where I knew his face yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how, how what goes through his head when when he's like typecast as the mob boss like, repeatedly. But, could you know. be worse. Yeah, yeah, it could be worse. Hollywood always wants mob bosses. It, it does, it does. There's, there's never a shortage of uh, roles of mob bosses right, and exactly. mob-like characters. But uh, yeah, so so Vincent goes to him with this idea for this scam and to uh, get involved in the payroll and for the, him to pay them directly with cash before the weekend and he gets a cut. And I'm not exactly, maybe someone who's a bit more financially savvy can tell me exactly what the scam is here and how he's making some money out of this, but... Uh, I mean, I know he's taking a cut, but the, the workers are still getting the same amount afterwards. I don't know if they're just dodging taxis. No, that the workers are still losing the five percent. Well, yeah, but is that just going to him instead? Yeah. Oh, is that just, is that just the scam? That, that's just what that's like, cause, okay, because right, you know okay, when, when there's the the queue of all the workers and they're the account and the money, yeah. and he comes in and explains it. He he, he mentions 
minus the five percent. So that's taken out. So they, they essentially all the workers have kind of agreed that all right, we'll take the five percent cut so that we can get paid. But it's not really cash. a cut though if they're not paying taxes. The taxes are still being paid as well. He mentions that as well. All right, so so it's not that it's just replacing the taxes, and it's just the, the, no, it's just it's an extra five percent on top of you know what they would have had. They just lose five percent as well. Really, they think it's worth five percent to not wait a few extra days. Well, because they want to do stuff at the weekend. I suppose if they're getting paid weekly, that makes yeah, a little bit more weekly. sense. Yeah, okay. it's, it's 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 cash here and now, and you can do what you want with it. That makes a bit more sense. Yeah, because I was thinking it was monthly, and if it's monthly, it's like well, what well, difference yeah, does yeah, a few days make? But, but yeah. weekly, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make more sense. That's fair enough. Because uh, they, they, they don't really reveal what it is until you get to that scene where they're counting the money. Because before that, they, they talk about it and they talk about having access to the payroll, but they never really go yeah. through what the plan is, what, what, what they're actually doing. But it's, you know, cause, but Vincent makes this, this, again, he's a businessman. There's a lot of, again, last episode, we were talking a lot about, uh, like, them all having, like, ideas at the same time and how there was, like, running themes through all the characters and, here, very much this idea of a lot of the characters thinking like business people is yeah, it's, a thrilling. It's it's specifically why you know Vincent and Candy feel like the the core characters more than anyone else to me is because mm. those two are the ones that seem most intimately linked in the thematic sense. In a thematic sense, yeah, and obviously they actually interact in this episode briefly, uh, so yes. they, they're aware of each other's existence at the very least. Uh, mm. In fact, they, they even crack a little joke about how he's got some pimp in him. And then he sort of like does what what and so like, oh it's a compliment. I was like oh okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but but nothing to it. More more just you know yeah. they they they've, they've seen each other around. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, again, he, he says hi to Thunder Thighs in the in the way past. Yeah. Uh, in the street, uh, but yeah, he he makes this promise. He's like you know every penny accounted for. He, he prides himself on. It. He's a manager. That's what he keeps. You know, he's, I've yeah, always he's, managed. He's, he's an he, accountant essentially. He, even when he's not managing, he ends up managing the place. Like he's not meant to be running this Korean bar. And restaurant, but he kind of is. So he, ends, he ended up being the one making yeah, the calls. He, he, he's good at it. So when he, he hands in the money, and he, he, he so after this 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 first week of like payrolls done, uh, Rudy takes him. And he's like, I want to take you and show you something. It's it's almost like, okay, I've seen that he's good. Maybe he liked him when he met him before. It's like, so oh, this kid might have potential. Let's see if he pulls through on this first thing. He does. So he takes him to this 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 uh, gay bar uh, on the other side of town, and. They go in and it's dead. Like there's no one there, and mm. you know he gets to talking to the bartender. Uh, Rudy goes to talk to the chef or something, some some other business. Maybe we'll find out more about this this business and this going on in the back later. But uh, and he's just like you know why why is it like this? What's going on? And he's friendly with the bartender. He's kind of like you know it's a camaraderie there. It's like oh yeah we're both working men. You're you know yeah. Uh, but he's like so so what is it? Why is it so dead? And apart it turns out that someone uh, was blackmailing the people who came who weren't you know. We're still secretly gay to their friends and family and their workers, co-workers and whatever. And uh, basically, the word spread and it became dead. Uh, but you know, Rudy's like, you know, I'm going to buy this. It's going to be yours. You're going to own this. Uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll take money from the machines that I've put in there. I'll take a flat one thousand a week, but otherwise, it's yours to run. I'm just a landlord, yeah. essentially. Um, and you know, he's, he's a bit sceptical at first, but he's clearly tempted. He's clearly ambitious. Like he, because, I mean, just the fact that he, every place he goes, he ends up being the one making the calls. He has the ideas. He makes the decisions. You can see that that's why he'd be tempted to do this. Because his brother even says to him, like, you know, this is you basically run this place already. You make a lot of tips. Why even take the responsibility on? Yeah, it's like you, you've got all the benefits here without any of the actual responsibility. Yeah. And he, he just kind of goes... Because I want to, you know, I want to see if I can, you know, prove it to himself. He even says, "I want to be the best. Can I be the yeah. best?" And yeah, 
And admittedly, I feel as much as they're very friendly with each other, you know, Vincent and Rudy. Rudy, I mean, Vincent even sticks up for him when he's talking to his brother. He's like, oh, I mean, you know, I don't like made men. That's the the phrase he mm. uses. And but you know, he's a he's a genuine guy. He's a businessman. But that's what he's, yeah. You know. uh, but you do feel like Rudy's a few steps ahead. Like you know, just the idea of you know the the thousand for rent. Like it's okay. That was a thousand a week that he's got to pay. But he from the you know the the the, the payroll scam. He was going, I'll give you a thousand a week. Like that's your cut. Mm. So it's like okay. So he's already kind of accounted for that money in his system. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I'm giving you a thousand for that. Would you? So that basically means that even if the bar's failing for a while, he'll still be able to afford it because he's getting an extra thousand from him anyway. Right. Exactly. It's kind yeah. of that insurance. Yeah, that's quite smart actually on his part. Yeah. Um. Wh- Obviously, there's this sort of undercurrent really. Like, okay, is this going to go wrong eventually? It probably will, and Rudy will probably come knocking when things go yeah. bad. But yeah, it- yeah, that feels inevitable. But at the same time, they have such this this rapport that you almost don't want them to. It's like uh, they're getting along great. Like it's, yeah. it's almost you almost appreciate the fact that Rudy, despite the fact that he is this crime boss, he's not overly intimidating just for the sake of it but much like the pimps you get that oh it's all friendly on the surface yeah. but maybe down the line I, I do wonder if it's a case of you know, this bar won't fail it'll you know he'll succeed again here mm. so Rudy will ask him to do more and it'll keep and it'll get to a point where he's like no I'm good here and Rudy will be like no I want you to do this yeah, you're doing yeah. this yeah the old trope of I want out now and yeah. you'll get you I own you kind right of and again that will play nicely you know thematically linking with the, the prostitutes yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is his pimp. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Um, how he's going to end up mixed up in the, the sort of the main porn plots, I'm not sure yet, but, I mean, we'll discover that as we go. Yeah. So. Like I said, I, I don't actually know, because there's not been... Even even though he's aware of all these people and like he's living in the same area, he, he doesn't talk to them about those things. Yeah, it would actually surprise me if... Uh, we don't even get them connected. I could see that almost been the end of the finale, or in the finale when he like those two worlds collide, and he, he kind of like has the idea to do something with Candy. Like maybe mm, could be. Uh, I don't know. Um, like, but no. But that's a, yeah, it's a good point. Like Rudy's basically his pimp. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what's happening here. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting comparison between regular business and then prostitution you know the ideals are kind of the fundamentals are the same yeah it's it's you know we're talking about you know the 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 royalties thing you know that it's it's very applicable to other mm. things it's the same here it's like the pimps are they're still they're just their boss obviously they're, they're you know they're a, they're a bit extreme because they because they're not regulated so they can do yeah. these things but essentially it's like okay this is your boss this is his boss and they kind of both have their their own set of rules yeah which is why that's always, I think, been the argument for uh, legalizing prostitution is that you can unionize it and make it safer. Yeah, you can regulate it and yeah. stuff like these things. And it's, it's why, like, Candy's kind of, she's, she's self-employed, essentially. She's the one going around going, no, I can do it all myself. She hasn't got the boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which then begs the question, how does she integrate? Because she needs another actor for porn. She needs someone to film it. Like, how does that, you know, does she right. hire how does them? she get the, the production company, so to speak? Yeah. Does she hire them or does she collaborate you know what's the method there for her and uh, yeah, that's something what, i'm sure we'll what, see. what what position in the hierarchy does she have because you can't see her just being an actress oh she'll uh, be a go. producer she'll be right. making if, if anything actually i could see her not starring in them after a while like, maybe oh, that's no, the end I, goal i i see at yeah. first she will be but eventually like you say yeah she'll move out of that but i'm, I'm trying to figure out right how does she get to that position because like, obviously right now 
she doesn't have those resources. She is just the actress. I, I think it's you make enough money, then you start, you know, for, it's almost like actual Hollywood in a weird way. You get your foot in the door, you work your way up, and then eventually, if you just want to be a, I'm obviously being an actor is not a, a negative thing in this case, but eventually, if an actor does want to just be a director, they can be, or if they want to do both, they want to dabble in other things, they can. Yeah. You specifically see a lot of long run TV shows where they go, all right, we'll let you direct an episode here or there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I see. I see potential in that. Mm. All right, we'll move over to uh, Cece and Laurie, uh, their plot, which um, very interesting. This episode took us some turns that I was not expecting towards the end as well. Yep. Uh, so, so basically, we see that. I mean, I presume they have sex with all of their all of their, their girls, but like you know, they're having sex, and afterwards he starts talking her up, and he starts also talking about his plans. Like he doesn't always want to be a pimp; he wants to have a normal life, have have kids, and he basically paints her as the chosen one, as the golden girl who's going to make him so much money. And it it, it kind of makes him like the prostitutes in the sense, you know, the prostitutes they're reliant on the pimps yeah. because they, you know, that that's how it is uh, for everyone but Candy. But to them, they're reliant on the girls to get them free as well. Yeah, and he talks about all these goals, but I was actually questioning this uh, as he was saying it. Is this actual? Is this true? Is this or is this bullshit? Is this just the pitch that he gives to every girl to make them feel special that you might be the the one who makes enough that gets us out of this life? Like, is mm. that just the the the, the you know the, the the cake is a lie basically? <laughs> you know, yeah, is that what that is? Is that that pitch? Um, and they're very friendly with one another. Very familiar. Like she cracks jokes, he cracks jokes back the only yeah, time it's very informal isn't it the only time the scene gets kind of a little bit more serious is when she references her old pimp and he mm. you know he, he gets very sort of stern no you that wasn't a pimp i'm a real pimp like that he was never a pimp yeah uh, yeah it's a little, little bit of a jealous rage yeah it's, it's this uh power play kind of kind of moment uh but then he takes her to uh, a porn theater and they, mm. they watch some of the stuff and you can see this is kind of going in this direction as well where he he's maybe having the ideas that he wants to wants her to do this this is maybe an avenue for more money for him because yeah. uh, it was it was him as well that told ashley to go do this you know this was the avenue maybe this is where you can make money for me now since you're not as valuable as a prostitute anymore yeah and again it's this idea of he knows that they, he only has to pay the girl once but he can resell the tape mm, yeah yeah and I, I don't see the conversation where they try to ask for royalties going very well no because he'll just take a knife to them yeah because that's that's the world this is uh, again, feels not glamorous, but you know there's this facade on top of oh, you know it's nice, you'll treat you like a queen, but yeah, but the reality is definitely not. And uh, yeah, so basically, so he's talking about how you could do this and that, and you know, again, it's more of a sales pitch, and then it turns menacing, it turns threatening because he's, he's like, look over there, and there's, you know, there's this prostitute uh, with another guy in there, and it's like, yeah, this is the cheap end of the, the neighborhood. This is where the girls who have done something wrong get carted off and you know their price goes down like you know they're, they're ten dollars uh yeah that kind of thing and um it turns very menacing but he keeps going like he keeps to the point where she's like right, i get it cc i get it right you know yeah yeah threat made yeah I, I, if i try and jump ship you're going to do this to me or if i try and run you're going to do this to me i get it uh but this is kind of the point of no return you feel like okay she's like she's locked in now like this is yeah. the point where if she tries to leave like because there was i think there was definitely a point in the first episode where she could have probably walked like it wasn't actually done yet like it was she wasn't yeah, you know, yeah yeah but this is it now the threat's been made yeah and she's aware or no this is it there is no going back yeah i mean it's I'm, too I'm, late already 
arguably the, the, it was maybe that point on return a little bit before this, but I think it's harder to d- define where it was. Uh, but here, yeah. certainly, this is like, no, no, this, I'm telling you we're past the point of no return. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, the, the point's already gone because he's saying, no, we're already here. And but. much like his plot in the first episode with Ashley, it's kind of like, here's the facade, but then we're going to take a dark turn later on and show you the reality, the danger of this. Because A, there's a lot of pressure on her now to actually <laughs> make bank. Yeah. And he's watching her from across the street as she's with this guy and they go into the hotel. We cut away, we come back, and she comes out in handcuffs. He, he's, you know, at, at least it seems from this point of view at this point, he's, he's the police and he's arrested her. Although, it, something doesn't quite add up. We'll talk about the police scenes later on, but like we saw how they handled this earlier on. And while I'm sure there is, you know, yeah, like this is instead of with the police stuff, you know, they just go around. It's very open and public. This was yeah. a sting. This was specifically set to catch one person at a time, which seems a bit odd. At the same time, though, I, was, I maybe second guessed it, you know, back again and said, "Yeah, but we had another scene where uh, the other like pimp we hadn't seen before told his girl that, oh, if you go to a different area, they're going to start picking you up more often because when you're new and they don't recognise you, they, they they treat you worse." And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's because she's new and they're. Yeah, yeah, and but obviously that girl did say, yeah, a couple of trips in the van, it'll be fine, you know, they'll yeah. get to know me. The idea that they don't catch them in the act, cause, like, they get them on the street, and it's like, okay, we all know what's going, but we, we haven't got anything to you know, put them away. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to yeah. the actual policing's but So he takes her to his car, and CC kind of intervenes and says, hey, that's my that's my he wife. says that's his wife, yeah. yeah. And that's basically going to be his story, and he's like, yeah, but she's a whore, and he's like, yeah, she's a Burdening the whole family, but regardless, uh, I'll, I'll pay the bail here now. How much? Yeah, which I mean, not integrity, but I, I think it's interesting that he was willing to just pay him off right here and then, just to deal with. Well, I mean, yeah, assuming he's being honest. I mean, maybe maybe he just still went dark, like we've seen him. Maybe but... uh, I think at this point he was going, okay, if this is a cop, they're probably you know I, I can they'll be corrupt, you know, like like because we, well, we can cause he, go... he tests them. Right, because he says what precinct you're going to, and the guy says five one or whatever it was, and he's like, "That's not real." That's what he says in a minute after he what he does. Yeah, yeah. That's what he does. So he knew that he was bullshitting, uh, and he he just runs up and stabs him, and he gets really you know, and Laurie's it's really screaming. sudden as well. Yeah, it's very violent. Uh, he's he's in, and he you know comes in the back seat as this guy's dying in the front, <laughs> and he's like, "You you have to learn." He's not he's not a cop. Like you know, there's no there's no wagon around. That's what they bring. Uh, where's his badge? He gets his badge. Oh, this is cheap crap. This isn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he goes, you know, that's this was on me. This is a this is what a real one looks like. And he's like, I should have taught you the difference. Yeah, which begs the question: Where did he get that badge from? I think it just says uh, that he maybe has some deeper relationships with the police than than we know at this point. I don't think it's suggesting that he used to be a cop. I don't. No, I, no, no. But I, I think, think maybe that. he just has some arrangements with. Yeah, them. yeah. I, I think. Or did he kill a cop once and he took his badge? Like could, could be, be that, could be. but uh, but that was that was certainly very interesting. But then, of course, he's not even given her time to process because he turns around and says, "Oh, the best thing to do." I know this is this is a, a shocking sort of moment. This is a big thing to go through, but the best thing to do is get back up on that horse. And like we yeah. see in the next scene, she's already like back out in the street, and she's like watching the police, like you know, have, have the crime scene. Yeah. Uh, so like, again, it's like this. Yeah, uh, no time to process this. Your your cattle, go and do your thing. Part, part of it, I was obviously like, it's like, no, you can still go make money. But I think part of it is actually smart because if if the police do go over the road, because you know they know all those those girls are stood over there on mm. the on the street, they go over and go right. What did you see? And if she's not there, 
and and they're like, oh, she was here at some point, but we haven't seen her. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Kind of, you know, the last thing CC wants is just to to implicate one of the, one of his money sources. Yeah, no, that, that makes uh, some sense. Um, you know, the question is though, did the, if the girls get shown the picture of the guy, did did one of them see it? Do they keep quiet out of this? You know, sort of shared. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind know of thing. that it'll come back to all of them. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably too scared to speak because you know the pimps clearly have seen that CC in particular is quite happy to uh, pull out a knife. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but no, it got very dark very quick, and again, CC is definitely uh, the biggest antagonist I think of the show so far, and at least in terms of uh, yeah, at least right now, in terms of face value, anyway. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we get some more overt antagonists as the as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Rudy earlier, uh, of course. Yeah, but... yeah, it feels like there's going to be a point where, where he's a big deal. So, like, again, he's a pimp. He's a pimp to Vincent, just like Cece's the yeah. pimp, and, you know, the pimps are the, the villains, uh, potentially, anyway. So, yeah, so so that was that, was that plot. Uh, so we'll mention Darlene a little bit here, because she doesn't have a whole lot to do. Um, she's obviously upset about the, her tape uh, being sold, um, but again, sort of running with the theme that some of these characters want to get out of this life, she goes to the library, and it's, it's this kind of clash of culture as she, she walks in and the librarian turns around and sees her, and she's, you know, wearing what she's wearing, uh, uh, or work clothes, as it were, and she, the librarian's like, oh, can I help you? It's, like, yeah. it's a very posh-looking library as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, probably the city library, you know? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I, I want a book, so, and she's like, oh, you need to fill out a form, and and we don't really get anywhere in the scene beyond this awkward kind of thing but it's like are you looking for something specific and she says yeah and we don't ever get to see what the book is we see her reading it later on uh, Mm. when she meets this other person this other woman who's like a researcher or something like that she she starts asking her questions she clearly knows who not like her personally but she clearly knows what you know what she does yeah gets a sense of who she is and but we see she's reading the book and you know it's kind of like is she wanting to build something else for herself is she trying to like teach herself things is she trying to learn it, it's really hard to know like because there are infinite possibilities of what this book could be yeah is it as simple as she because of the tape incident uh, i keep calling it tape it's not actually it's film but same difference yeah uh, she's she looking up something legal exa- exactly which is weird because you can't have a legal defense when you're doing something illegal i mean the, i mean first place to, yeah, to a point to a to point because in in some regards, she could claim you know there was a verbal contract between you know the the guy who filmed it originally. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I mean, I guess there's that murky water though. Like, is she a prostitute who's being filmed, and therefore it's just completely illegal, or is she an actress in a porn? Right, film? that's the, it, isn't it? Like, how to, how do you argue which one it was? And because, it, because it was specifically filmed, she might be able to swing it. It might, it might be. I don't know. Uh, I hope I hope Larry's going to whip out the money for a good lawyer. Well, yeah, but obviously he's not too impressed with the whole thing either, by the look of it. Yeah, he he's going to deal with it. He said he's going to look into it. Uh, he you know he doesn't even want to talk about it, which honestly to me said that maybe he's actually okay with it. Well, well, that's what I was thinking at first. Yeah. He was like, he was like, but but then it was the way he you know he covered up the the the, the film with his hat. He was like, no, I don't want the others to see this. I don't want anyone else knowing. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just because he doesn't want the other pimps doing this as well. He, he he's going right. to market on. But this. But then of course, after not long after this is the the sting on on Fat Mooney's the the store. 
Mm. And and it's like okay, they confiscate all his all of his stuff. Yeah, it's almost like Larry's the one that tipped them off. That... Yeah, it's like okay, Larry's like okay, I didn't know this was going on down there, so I'm gonna shut them down and I'm gonna take over the market. Yeah, it makes you wonder if he's got he's, like there's another store that he's involved in that he's basically oh wait, there's competition. Oh no, let's get rid of them yeah. uh, by tipping off whoever. Um, so yeah, um, that if, makes he, sense. if these pimps all teamed up. It also, it also, uh, d- we all, we also get to a point here where, uh, in this scene with this this other woman, where he gets very upset. He comes into the scene. He demands that she get back out in the street. Uh, Darlene gets back out in the street and makes money, and he's like, "Stay away from my girls." Like, he's not happy about this. It's it's almost like again, he's like, he doesn't want them getting ideas. Like someone like this, like, like poking around and uh, yeah. giving them the ideas that they could maybe do other things. That, that's kind of what I was getting. I think from. that that's the thing. These pimps, uh, as you know, as, as flashy as they are and surface level, I think most of them are actually quite smart. They know they've got to keep these girls on a leash. They can't let them get these ideas or they lose their power. Yeah, smart in the worst possible way because very obviously exploitative, but yeah. Right, right, but smart isn't moral is is, is the point. Yeah. They're, they're, they're clever. They know what they're doing. I, I think I'd also add on they're clever and they're scared. Yeah, uh, of course. They're scared of losing the power. They're losing yeah. the position. They lose their money. I, th- I think fear is a big part of it. Um, so there you go. So that's that scene. So I guess the one thing we've really not talked about then is the police, which isn't actually a lot of scenes uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, but it kind of opens and closes the episode. Uh, mm. We open with them coming around with the, 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 the wagon and like, okay, right. So And they're basically like, okay, if you've, if you've been booked already in the last 48 hours, we'll not take you. Uh, yeah. So give us the receipt <laughs> and we'll let you go. But everyone else gets on the wagon, and it kind of shows. You know, they go with them and they, they pick up the cop buddies, you know, including the karate kid, and they, they put them in the cells. But we see them order food for everyone, and it's, also, it's this routine thing. And they're all outside talking to each other, and then they go back in the cell, and it kind of shows just how it's almost like they have no interest in actually like stopping this from going on. This is just we're supposed to do something about this. Us picking them up. This is for appearances' sake. Yeah. Us picking them up every couple of nights is to show that we're doing something when they're not really. They, you know, they bring them back to the cell. They, they get them takeout food. They just go through the motions and they go back. Um, but of course, at the end of the episode, when you know the other pimps kind of like shouting across and he's being like, ah, it's just like you know blowing leaves in the wind. They, they just come back in and out, and it's almost like he's pushed their buttons a little bit. It's like, oh, you going to test us? Okay, fine. Everyone goes tonight. And yeah. you know, that, for the pimp, that's a big deal because that's no girls making money for the whole night. Right, that's it. They, they obviously account for a set percentage every night. It's like, okay, yeah. they, these are going to go off with the cops tonight, and that's fine because we've got to. You know, uh, I, I mentioned CC probably has maybe has some sort of relationship with them with through mm. how he got the badge, and it's like, okay, so they've got this arrangement where you know you take so many, we'll maybe give you a cut. Like maybe like that's part of their expense from the pimps is they you know, they pay the, the police so much to just keep this keep it to this amount. Yeah, maybe. And then obviously, but here, all of them, that's no income for the whole night. They're not going to be happy at all. Yeah. So, um, no, that's how we end the episode. We, we end with kind of that, that moment. Hmm. There you go, it was another good episode. <laughs> it was, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, it's, it's really strong. And I, I think it's it's a testament for me that just good rating, I mean, obviously it's got great production values, it's got great actors, all, all that stuff, but... Mm. Uh, it's the right at the core of it because I feel like you know, in, in other hands, 
this plot that these characters might feel really dull, they might feel really two-dimensional, but they don't here. They, they feel fully fleshed out. They feel interesting. You're kind of fascinated yeah. by how their mind works and where they're going with things. And, and I love we have so many characters that are you know very similar. Like you know we talked about a lot about how Vince and Candy are very you know similar in in their their ideas and and their overall direction. But as characters, they're, they're very different people. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the idea that it's, it's all different people, but they're all in the same pool. So they all they're all influenced by the same things, and they're all yeah. uh, living in the same world. Uh, so again, it's, it's weird to talk about mythology in a show that's a bit more grounded like this, because typically mythology is when you t- you're talking about science fiction and fantasy, and mm. or you know something a bit more fantastical. Uh, but here, the idea of the mythology being this this city, you know, streets of New York in the seventies, right. And and it's it's the idea of seeing right how is this stuff here with the prostitutes going to affect Vincent and it's it's going to happen, like but we just don't know quite how that's going to interact. It's, it's things like uh, like Rudy looking over the neighborhood. He's like, no, someone should do something about this. Clean this place up a bit. Up and is cleaning it up, taking them off the streets and making movies instead. Is that the that like, that could be part of his goal? Maybe that's yeah. not the the goal he has now, but maybe that's just a, a way to facilitate getting them out. Yeah, maybe that that'll be Vincent's idea. When you know, when Rudy asks him to do something about it, maybe that's his. Yeah, because the get get rid of the, the prostitutes, and the other people won't come here for them. So then, by its nature, the area should just improve by like that. Hmm. I don't know, uh, but I I think I think it says a lot that I'm not even remotely worried about it getting to these things because like it's so confident. I, I trust them so much that, like, no, I'm here for the raid. I'm here for however we're going to get there. Like I said, I'm sure it's going to affect each other because, like I say, it's, it's an ecosystem and it's kind of balanced at the minute, mm. but it's about to tip. And I don't know quite who's going to tip what and, you know, exactly which way things are going to react, but I'm sure it's going to happen and that's that's fine. It will happen when it happens. Yeah. And Vincent essentially went from being like Candy to not being like Candy because he got tempted enough to get take a pimp. And it's right. like, does she go through the same thing? Does she maybe, maybe, maybe not an actual pimp, but maybe like a porn producer? Does that? Yeah, become... that's going to say. Right, does yeah. does her getting involved with a, a production company? Does that become her? You know, like, like her boss that she has to be a slave to and follow their system. It's fascinating stuff. I'm looking forward to more mm. of it. Uh, so obviously we'll be back next week with the next episode uh, let us know what you think of this one in the comments below like subscribe all that stuff get us on twitter mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates if you want to support the channel head over to patreon.com slash mailed fuzz tv and you can do that over there but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching keep watching tv we'll see you next time have you got any vanilla soup <laughs>